Just Some Podcast Media. The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled, exciting, and live episode of Just Some Podcast from Nurses PodCon. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, how's it going? Great. Uh, the listeners are finally going to get to hear our episode from Nurses PodCon that we whoa, are so whoa. proud of. Whoa. No. What? I I said in previous episodes, we were not playing this on the episodes. We were not doing yeah. an episode on this. It was just for that audience. I, I thought that was more of a suggestion you were making. No, no, I, I specifically said that. Yes, but our but our uh, sponsors specifically want us to put it out, Ben. No, they, no, no, I don't think they do. I mean, it they was, do. It was and private for just that audience that was there. It was a good time. I mean, we don't need to relive it. That. It was a great time, which led to what may or may not be a compromising video of you, Ben, singing karaoke. So hey, it is okay. time to release. First off, everyone is a very Menlo fan, so I didn't want to hear about the karaoke video. I mean, <laughs> they may or may not be Barry Manilow fans, Ben, but I'm a Barbie girl has nothing to do with Barry Manilow. And you being intoxicated enough to believe it is should just tell you what level of debauchery is going to be on this video. So are you are you sure that that wasn't like a B-side of a Barry Manilow? Hit? I am I'm not willing to say it's not but i'm not willing to not say it's not so that's like some inception <laughs> stuff there i'm not willing to not 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 say that i not i worked for the government in a previous life then so i just think it would be best for everybody involved and miss tina would really appreciate it if we would just play the video so or not the video good lord well there's video somewhere but uh the audio from our podcon ben Ugh, but I, you're making but it was me, so good but and everybody making, loved it but you're making me go back on my word like i said i wasn't it, gonna do it it's not going back on your word ben you reconsidered in light of new evidence and came to a different conclusion that is a completely legitimate thing to do so let's just do that fine i guess we'll just play the damn audio then just uh, play it Jeez, Tina. If you're gonna eat make your me, ham. If you're gonna make me <laughs> push the button, fine. Yeah, but but hey, think about this. That's all you have to do this week is push that button. That is true. And I mean oh. it, I will say it was kind of cool hanging out with Nurse Jessica Seitz. And uh, she actually even introduces us and uh, she apparently enjoys our show, Tom. Well, I mean, I'm guessing. From what she said, she enjoyed what watching. I keep saying watching. I mean, because we were there live, so we could see each other. So I guess that's why I keep, you know, in my head. And those that 
attended got to see us live and you know virtually got to see us you know so right, right. i guess i keep thinking about all the stuff that we usually do as audio only this time i had a video component but having said all that yeah blew my mind a little bit fangirled a little bit that famous people were like hey i've heard your show and it makes me laugh and i'm like whoa that that was pretty awesome well, here is the audio from PodCon that I said I wouldn't release. So now that we're releasing, it's all Tom's fault. And so if you don't like it, it's Tom's fault. Yes, definitely Tom's fault. And ask me if that keeps you awake at night. Just go ahead. <laughs> Let's see. It does. <laughs> That's the secret. Enjoy the show. All right, guys. That was a really good presentation from Janice. Again, that was awesome. Um, very, very informative. Like she knows a lot of stuff, but it was Really, really impressed. I mean, always known she's smart, but a whole hour I'm like, shoot, I think I was doing my journey wrong for a little while. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> Won't be right and we'll continue to monitor anymore. <laughs> um, so next we've got um, just some podcast. So it's just some podcast. And this is for advanced practitioners. So not just a practitioner, you have to be an advanced one, okay? Just kidding. I think you could be anybody and listen to it because I listened to it. This is with um, Tom, Ben, and I laughed hysterically because I feel like you two guys like feed off of each other and it cracks me up. Like their belly laughs make me laugh and like they, they just start cracking up and they're both laughing back and forth and I feel like it's a really upbeat, cool podcast. So I did really, really enjoy it. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to them. Here you go. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and live episode of Just a Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, I'm Ben. You don't say. Yeah, no, it's yeah. the first live. This is the first time we've actually recorded in the same room really? together, too, which is really odd because I'm in Kansas, you're in Ohio, and so... Well, that would make it hard to record again. Shut up. Sorry. Uh, we do carry an explicit tag on our podcast, so Tom has a dirty mouth and likes to use it so I, as, as an advanced warning for anybody that may be listening on zoom that uh, that's a lot of advanced going on for this podcast i'll tell you that so i will try and keep that toned down for today um you know we also usually do a lot of banter for a few minutes at the beginning of your episode so i wanted to just take a moment uh, and just say thank you to tina and everybody that has uh, come together and got this going. It's been an amazing experience. It's not. It's not. I guess yours is louder. You can't hear me. <laughs> there we go. I've never been called quiet. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that is. So, okay. Well, I guess I'll just talk louder. So that's cool. Um, but no, it, it's been a great experience. We met a lot of cool people. Um, it, you know, listening to some of the the podcast before us, like Kevin, you know, I mean, he's got this voice. It's like a cool breeze on a warm day. I mean, it just like, bam, that is on point. And we've also met other people that are like Alabama fans. And so you can't win them all is really what I'm saying at the end of this. So, so having said all that, though, it's been a great experience. Um, I'm hoping we have an okay podcast because to be fair, this is probably where things turn south. That is true. Of this, that is so. true, definitely. Uh, I do want to give a huge shout out to all the sponsors that helped out with first podcon. See, we get on stage and there's sirens. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. See, they called for reinforcements. Uh, but Stockles, Samuel Mary University, CBD Stat, 
Echo Health and Trusted. So huge shout out to them. Thank you so much for uh, sponsoring PodCon and getting us all here together. So before we jump into our story time, I'm going to tell everybody where they can find us because as you said before, people think that, I, that this is a soundbite and it's not. I do this live every single time. And Don't this is our up. live chance to do it live live. So don't mess it up. Don't mess up. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web or at www.justsomepodcast.com. Our email, jsp at justsomepodcast.com. Didn't mess it up. See? So <laughs> The, the crowd is just going wild. I don't, you guys can't hear it at home. It's like that scene in Major League. Like, yeah, the crowd's going nuts out here, Dave. Um, no, it, it's, I'm very excited. Actually, I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Usually I'm doing this in my like office in my house in like gym shorts or underwear. So it's a little different being here with actual people watching us and sitting next to you. But put your pants back on. <laughs> They don't need to know what's going on behind the runner, okay? Um, but it's going to be an interesting. So for those that oh, I thought, for those that don't normally listen to us, we do a variety of shows on just on podcasts. So some are educational, um, some are just funny. We just have a good time, and that's what we want to do. Today we picked what we call a medical mystery, where we talk about a story and we dissect it for medical knowledge that you may or may not have gleaned from the original story. Full disclosure, we had another story planned, and then Tom went, you know, let's do something that has kind of Tennessee at heart with it. And so we started doing some research, and there was a gentleman by the name of Blair Adams, and he was found murdered in Knoxville, Tennessee, on July 11th, 1996. Now, and so we kind of started digging into this, and we're like, this is kind of interesting there's some definite definite medical aspects to it that we're going to discuss um, but yeah it's just it was an odd story and it's still an unsolved mystery it's still an unsolved mystery so there are actually parts of this that are considered an open investigation so there's actually information we won't have available to discuss so we're going to kind of make some educated guesses about what's going on. But I think one of the very first things that grabbed my attention was a quote by a lead Knox County detective that says, quote, every aspect of this case is mysterious. There's no explanation for it, end quote. And uh, once you start a story with that and understand that's kind of where we're going, it, it kind of brings everything else to light. I would really not have that picture up there. I just, <laughs> I got a face for radio. So let's just keep it that way. All right. Well, so we're going to dig a little bit more into Blair Adams. He is actually from uh, up around uh, Vancouver, Canada. So it's starting British Columbia. And by all accounts, he seemed to be a nice guy from what people said. He was a foreman at um, his stepfather's construction company in Canada and seemed to be doing pretty well for himself. He had had some history of some drug and alcohol convictions and had actually went through rehab and had been sober for about two years prior to 96. Then all of a sudden, things kind of started getting a little strange. Come end of June, beginning of July, he stopped attending AA meetings and started kind of being concerned that people were talking about him, people were spreading rumors about him, 
and it even kind of hinted that he thought people were kind of out to get him or out to kill him. And by hinting, he actually told several people that towards the end. He's like, I think someone's trying to kill me. But from all the evidence that we were able to find and research, there was no specific person listed. There was no specific person notified. He never went and said, this person's out to get me for this reason. It was just a very general, hey, someone's out to get me. So that's your cue to start start talking. (laughs) (laughs) So on July 5th, he went to the bank and he withdrew all the money from his bank account and he emptied all the valuables out of a safe deposit box. That's always a great start. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing bad could happen when you empty your bank safety deposit box. And uh, he got into his vehicle and he tried to board the ferry from Victoria, Canada to Seattle. So I want to point out some of the information if you've never been in this area, which I haven't, but a lot of the people that did research on this before us did. There is a lot of easier ways to get from point A to point B for him. And so it seemed like he was specifically choosing to go by ferry, which is also just adding to this. Instead of just simply driving or making a a quick trip across the border, he went out of his way to try and take this ferry. So that just starts adding to this mystery. Well, U.S. immigration caught up with him and kind of flagged him. So it's a single man traveling by himself with a large amount of cash, a large amount of valuables. And so their suspicions were that he was a potential drug runner. And he told them he didn't have any criminal history. And, of course, they ran his criminal history and found that he had some history of drug and assault charges. So they denied him entry into into the States. He then went back to... Vancouver, visited with some friends and tried to talk them into smuggling him into the United States. Yeah, also never a good sign when you have to use the word smuggle to get yourself into a foreign country. That's not going to generally lead to something great. He uh, then on July 8th was uh, tempted to get into the country again by walking across the border. And again, he was detained at that point because he met the description of a suspect that had stolen a car from Vancouver. And have you ever seen the movie Spies Like Us? Yes. Okay, so there's a specific scene where they're trying to cross a border on foot. That's always what I imagine happened in this. Like, all of a sudden, these Border Patrol guys come out of nowhere with guns and hold them up, and he's trying to act confused, but he knows exactly what's going on at this point. Just saying, like, if you think about it. Well, they didn't have enough evidence to hold him, and so they released him, but again denied his entry into the United States. He then went to, uh, that was the same day, he also bought a plane ticket for $1,400 to Frankfurt, Germany. So that may not be as random as it seems. So his father owns a construction company, and they had done work in Frankfurt, Germany. So there is some... And there was some speculation that he may have had a girlfriend in Germany as well. Yeah, and again, this whole story is a rabbit hole. So sometimes you're going to read sources and say he definitely had a girlfriend. Some are going to say he even got her pregnant. And then a third source will tell you that it's all speculation. So again, with this entire story, some of it is like trying to play chess with checker rules. Like it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But either way around, we do know for sure he had been in Frankfurt, Germany previous times, and he had worked on construction sites there. So there could be a, a, a link between those two. 
The next day, he went to the airport in his vehicle. He canceled his ticket to Frankfurt, uh, stating that the person he was going to visit had uh, gotten ill. His girlfriend, or suspected girlfriend at the time in Germany, uh, reported that she had no recollection of him making a trip to Germany or planning to make a trip to Germany. There at the airport, though, he rented a Nissan Ultima, and he drove across the border and got through, ending in Seattle. He went to the Seattle airport, where he then booked a red-eye flight from Seattle to Washington, D.C. So a really good point on this is that, first of all, you got to remember, this is 1996, okay? So a lot of the rules that we deal with now with flying aren't a thing at this point in time. So getting a ticket that fast and overnight, that's not really a big deal. What does stand out is that he paid a very large sum of money for a one-way ticket. The person at the counter specifically said, I offered a round-trip ticket for half the price, and he turned it down. Yeah, he so he had $700 for that ticket. Yeah, so he had no intention at any point of returning to his point of origin. When he landed in D.C. at about 6 a.m. on July 10th, he rented a Toyota Camry and began driving south. We know this because he was actually involved in a small fender bender accident in Troy, Virginia at about 10.15 a.m. Uh, the gentleman that he ran into said that uh, he seemed like a really nice guy and he was very hurried and just you know, wasn't a whole lot to, to really that stood out for him. He ended up at the BB gas station in Knoxville, Tennessee at about 5.30 that evening. And again, this is where things start to take a turn. Yeah, this is where it gets yeah. yeah. So yeah, it wasn't weird enough saying people are going to murder me and then trying to walk across the Canadian border. That wasn't weird enough. So this guy gets to this gas station and he starts telling the clerk, I can't get my car to start. And at this point, he's got the Nissan, correct? No, he's got the Toyota Camry. Okay, so he's got a Toyota Camry. He keeps telling the guy, I can't get my vehicle to start. I can't get my vehicle. This guy's a really nice guy at the clerk. So he's like, let's go take a look. He's like, that's because you have a Nissan key. Yeah, this he was using Toyota the vehicle. Nissan Ultima key for the, Toyota, for the Toyota Camry. And then no matter how many times the clerk said, hey, that's not uncommon. Why don't you just check your pockets? Uh, Mr. Blair refused to look for a new key. He refused to cooperate and basically just said, tow it away and then left it at that. So the uh, tow truck driver ended up taking him to the Fairfield Inn in Knoxville. And they know this because he was seen on surveillance at about 7 p.m. He ended up going in and out of the hotel lobby several times, you know, coming into the lobby and then going back outside, did that several times. And the, the clerk reported that it kind of looked like he was waiting for someone or was concerned about something like that. So this is also one of those times in the case where we actually have, like there is video evidence that you can review and see on the internet where the female clerk watches him come in. He sits down, he looks outside, he walks around, he walks outside. And this goes on approximately five times till he finally goes up to the clerk and he says, I want a room for the night. So he rents a room, which cost him $50. He pays her a $100 bill and then walks out. Does not get a key, does not get his change, does not wait around for his room number, nothing. Pays for a room and then walks out. She tries to chase him down to give him his change. He's gone. She tries calling the room that she had assigned to him, but he's not in it because he doesn't have a key and he doesn't know which one it is. But she tries calling anyways and no answer. So again, very strange activity. He... From this point on, it's, it's kind of 
speculation as to what happened. Um, what we do know is the next morning, on the morning of the 11th, he was found in a parking lot of a construction site of another hotel that was being built kind of there on the actual on the other side of I-40 of the Fairfield Inn. He was found in the parking lot. He, uh, his shirt was ripped open. His pants were removed. Socks were removed. Shoes were removed. And one shoe was under his head like a pillow. There was about four to $6,000 kind of thrown about the parking lot of all the money that he'd had. And it was in uh, Canadian, American, and German money. The fanny pack that he had stuck all his valuables in from the safe deposit box was found next to his body, as was his hotel key and the key to the Toyota camera that he reported he couldn't find earlier. So again, there, there, this is where the medical mystery starts to come in because the initial crew came on scene. They thought there's a drunk guy passed out in our parking lot. But as they get a little closer, they notice he was cyanotic and they're like, uh, what's going on here? That's when they call for emergency crews. They arrive, declare him dead on the scene. So this is also where a lot of speculation starts to come in for the medical cause and the part that we're really gonna to start to dissect because again, some of this information is not openly available. So you're gonna hear what we do know and what we think are the possible causes of what could have happened to Mr. Blair. So during the investigation, and that is again still ongoing, they determined via autopsy that the cause of death was septic shock or ruptured. Some people, some sources said ruptured stomach, some had said perforated bowel. I mean, there was, a, but what they ultimately ended as was a septic shock is what they. Yeah, multiple times I've seen septic shock, but again, anybody that's worked in the field is gonna say septic shock is deadly. Like th that's not really a question, okay? Um, that's why a lot of times in ERs, you know, we have sepsis alerts now because it is, you know, it starts off at around a 40 to 50% mortality rate the minute you become septic without care. So it is extremely important uh, and dangerous. However, it does not happen without cause. And so that kind of leads to the chain of events that we need to look in today to try and see what possibly happened Mr. Blair. And they had determined that he'd had some sort of blunt force trauma to the abdominal region and enough force that it, it ruptured. And again, this is some of the area where Ben and I have actually had a lot of discussion. We had this some discussion today. So blunt force trauma to the abdomen is exactly what it sounds like. There was no penetrating wound or anything introduced inside his body. So whatever causes injury happened through just pure force. Here's where problems start to arise is, so multiple times we have seen his stomach was perforated or possibly his bowel perforated. Now the bowel makes a lot more sense, especially in the septic shock re, you know, cause. However, neither of those are the primary things you look for in an ER for blunt trauma to an abdomen. The very first thing is a spleen. That's what you're looking for your very first time. If you go through any of this stuff or priority trauma patients, when you do a fast exam, you're looking for rigidity in your abdomen, internal bleeding, and a lacerated spleen. None of that was found. The other thing they found on autopsy they made notation of was that his last meal consisted of shrimp, meat, and lettuce. At least that's what contents were found in the stomach. 
And I, and I think that's also really important to note for a couple of reasons. First of all, the initial investigation, they didn't find anywhere around there that he had eaten. And they did not find any restaurants nearby that served that combination of food for him to have eaten. Okay, so that's one and two. Three, it's still present in his stomach. So that means the digest, and it wasn't well digested. So it had also recently been introduced. So somehow he got food into him from not anywhere near where he was. Nobody sold it, but he had also just gotten it into him. And police had speculated that because of the way that his pants were removed, that they were potentially removed by someone else, is that they were basically inside out. So the best way to think about it, based on the reports, is they weren't just removed. They were inside out. As if somebody else, if you've ever had to wrestle a toddler to the ground to try and take pants off of them, that's the way they painted this picture. Is basically somebody grabbed them and just kept pulling like they were trying to peel them off. This wasn't a clean or easy removal process. Somebody was trying to take them by force is what it appears. But they kind of felt that they had ruled out like robbery suspects because because <laughs> all the money was still there. Yeah, that's a lot of money just laying around him. Yeah, it clearly wasn't hidden. It was literally laying on the ground next to him. So if somebody, anybody, wanted to take it, that would have already been taken care of. And there was some potential speculation of a sexual assault. Um, and it's again, it's very vague. They said that there was potentially trauma to the anal region, but there was no DNA, no like massive tear, nothing like that. It was just implementation that there could have been. Yeah, assault. and again, with an open investigation like this, and that's a whole nother series of events that could have happened. They're, they're saying that there was some type of injury, but they won't specify what or give any details to what they're looking for. They're just saying it did happen. The mother also had said that he potentially had been in uh, homosexual relationships in Canada prior to all this happening. So is that a possibility? It is. He does have several other wounds. He had a laceration to his face. He had defensive wounds to his hands. But again, the police reports don't specify what. So a defensive wound can be a bunch of different things, okay? It can be everything from abrasions to bruising to fractures, none of which are completely specified on any of the open records. So the only thing we know for sure is that there is a laceration and they concluded that it was caused by a heavy instrument. But again, nobody really knows. What they're, what they're making it sound like is it was a long, flat piece of metal. So a tire iron, a crowbar, something like that, which also, if you hit somebody in the abdomen hard enough, could cause some of the injuries that happened. However, there's also a lack of any substantiating evidence that they have put together that makes this seem like the most possible record. And there was still no specific reason for why he was in Knoxville, Tennessee, or where he was heading in his vehicle. Uh, you know, friends, coworkers, family, you know, they didn't know of any rendezvous relationships, anything like that that he may have been, you know, coming here for later. And I say much later, like 10 years after the fact, his mom was quoted as saying that he was going to attend the 96 Olympics in Atlanta. Uh, which started nine days after his death. But in, and again, you know, I kind of dispute some of that just because why wouldn't you just fly to Atlanta and not DC? And I mean, this looks to me like he was paranoid. 
So I, and I, he was trying to lose a tail. And I think I think that's also very important to note. And again, going back to the medical side of this, is it really seems like two things possibly happened or were happening. One, it seems like he was dealing with some kind of psychosis or mental health condition that has been undiagnosed or unrevealed at this point in time. One of the reasons I say that is because the drug and alcohol use, especially in his mid-20s, when these conditions usually start to come forward, could have been a form of self-medication that he was trying to do to suppress it himself, or that maybe those records just haven't been released. I mean, we are dealing with facts or an investigation that spans all the way from Knoxville, Tennessee to Surrey, British Columbia. So there could be a lot of things that could possibly be missed in between. True, but I still think, I, I, I am inclined to agree that I think in his 20s, he was probably self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. He then had to get clean, whether it was for a job, whether it was for a family, girlfriend, whatever it was. Well, then, because you're clean and you're not self-medicating anymore, then we're starting to see more psychosis. And I think we start seeing this slip into more of a paranoid schizophrenic type episode where he's convinced that someone's going to kill him. Who? We don't know, but it's someone. Exactly. And again, that... that tends to make me think it is on more on the mental health issue because of the lack of detail. So um, there's someone out to get him, but he doesn't know who. There's someone out to get him, but he doesn't know why. And those are some of the only facts that we do know. And that makes me think that a mental health condition, um, schizoaffective disorder, who knows, you know, without being able to talk to him, it's harder to make those kind of diagnoses. But it would certainly make you think that something both mental health was happening or possibly a relapse into drug and alcohol abuse. Of that, speaking of that, just to put it out there, on the autopsy, they did find no drugs or alcohol in his system at the point of autopsy. Doesn't mean he wouldn't use it before, but... Well, and again, it's it's good to note, especially with some drugs, if, if people aren't completely up to date on you know the elimination of certain drugs in your system, there are drugs that you can take that are out of your system within eight hours of use. So it's not impossible that this guy had been using or abusing drugs and or alcohol prior to all this happening, maybe even possibly right up to the offense that happened. I also think it's really important to notice is that when we talk about these abdominal injuries, we talk about the sepsis, that that doesn't mean it happened there. So everybody tends to focus like, oh, he was found in a parking lot. And why was he killed in the parking lot? But these types of injuries aren't necessarily instantaneous. He could have had this rupture uh, stomach or bowel for hours prior to the onset of symptoms. So there is really a good chance that where they found him has nothing to do with the series of events that led to him dying there. And I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, of course you would, because I'm right. But the other thing. Thank you. So. The other thing that uh, the investigators were looking at is because this was uh, a truck stop area um, as far as with the hotels and, and restaurants and, and a truck stop was uh, prostitution was kind of a, it was a hotbed area for prostitution. Um, so they investigated that aspect of it. They interviewed several uh, known prostitutes, known pimps in the area, and uh, nobody had any recollection of this gentleman. Correct. And, and honestly, that goes back to more like the true crime side of the story. And if we only knew somebody that did a podcast on true crime, you know, perhaps they could dive into that part a little deeper. But going back to the injuries, nobody can pinpoint when, how, 
or who delivered those types of injuries that caused them to lead to that death. I still think based on the possible anal injuries, um, his history of possible homosexual relationships, that could be something to deal with it. However, there's a complete lack of any medical information that supports anything further. So it's like this goes from A, B to F. Like they completely skipped over all the other steps in between. We know what happened in the beginning. We know how at the end. But there's a lot of speculation on the medical side in between. And that's what makes this case so interesting to dissect is because it could be a million things that caused this chain of events to happen. With that being said, Tom, I'm going to pin you down. Not like that. <laughs> I was like, are you going to put a bully in me? Oh, yeah. This show took a turn for the worst. Yeah, yeah, well, this show took a turn for the worst the minute I started talking. So <laughs> I, I want your opinion on what you think happened. <clears throat> well, okay, let's, let's see where we agree and disagree. We both agree that mental health plays an aspect. Sure. Probably an undiagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. I said that. Okay, so from there, from the Fairfield Inn, what do you think happened? Well, so I think you have to go backwards. I don't think anything happened at the Fairfield Well, I'll well, continue. Yes, thank you for allowing me to answer the question you asked. So I think there, there was an incident. Now, here's the part I, I can't possibly try and answer is what that incident was. I think he wasn't a physical altercation. I don't think this is a random set of events. There is no evidence of any trauma anywhere else like if you were hit by a car you're not going to get hit in just your abdomen and not have a broken humerus like you know like there would be other numerous injuries okay he does have one laceration to his face possibly from a large metal weapon he has the abdominal trauma what caused the fight i would speculate is something involving drugs and or a sexual relationship just because of the lack of evidence you know, there wasn't anybody, I got into a fight because a weird guy stopped me on the road. You know, nobody reported anything like that, okay? So we're dealing with somebody that does not want police involved in what they do. So I think likely drug or a sexual encounter was involved and that he, he was attacked. Also, I think that because if you hit somebody in the stomach and we just said a minimum of one hour, we'll say a maximum of three hours for those types of wounds to start to manifest, they're gone. Like they have no idea. Right. They punch this guy in the stomach. They hit him with a crowbar. They leave the scene because they don't want to be around if the cops show up. Several hours later, this guy's died. That's what I think happened. I think this guy tried to pick up a prostitute or tried to score some drugs. He picked on the wrong person in Knoxville, Tennessee, and he got attacked. How did he end up the parking lot? I assume he walked. He didn't have a car. Okay, but I mean then. Oh, why did he end up in the parking lot? With his pants, I mean. Okay, so that's okay. I don't have an explanation why he has the pants down, but I know you have a great theory. <laughs> but so I wanted to hear what you're uh, like. So if if the same as prostitution or drugs, so do you think that like they just like whipped his ass and then like yeah, tossed him out the car? Yeah, exactly. I think there was an altercation. I think he tried to get money and or drugs, money and sex and or drugs from somebody. And that they ostensibly they defended themselves from this crazy guy who, by all accounts, has been acting crazy for several days up to this point. Right. And that led to the physical assault 
and that's how he he got there. How his pants came off, especially in that fashion, it, that's you're the expert apparently on pants being taken off. Dudes dead in a parachute in parking lot. So you go ahead and double. <laughs> what kind of you're what you're spinning on me there? Um, well, I do want to know. You know, because we have people in the in the chat. Oh. What are your thoughts? We want to know what you guys think too. Um, so here's my speculation. I do think there was an altercation. I don't think it was anything sex-related or drug-related. I think this guy was clearly out of his mind, whether it was psychosis, paranoid schizophrenia, whatever the case may be. And I think he went on like Rick Moranis and on Ghostbusters, like the Ghostbusters speech, you know, like he's up, like talking to the horse. I think he went up to some trucker. He's like, you know, are you the key master? And the, <laughs> the trucker's like, you know, went all like kick his ass sea bass and just whipped his ass right there at the parking lot. Okay. But then why didn't they report it? If there's do you, a guy, do you report every fight that you've ever been in, Tom? Yes. <laughs> Probably. The ones I remember. So, but no, okay. We so, got thrown out of a bar, Tom. Did you report that? No. <laughs> but I wasn't really the bad person there. You, you were the one point. dressed up in a costume, not me. So the, the point of all this, the point of all this is though, so let's say you, you're a trucker. You own your truck. That truck's worth $150,000. There's some guy bothering you now possibly going to mess up your $150,000 piece of equipment. That is your livelihood. That guy's calling the cops. That trucker is going to report that crime. Hey, there's a weird guy hanging around our parking lot. Hey, there's a weird guy on this highway stopping trucks trying to get in them. They're going to call that in. But it's also a known hotbed for prostitution and so I mean I, I don't know that. But then that but then that would eliminate the trucker aspect. That no, eliminates saying... the 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 person that's just there innocently. That goes back to the person he do, who did this did not want cops involved. They were not there for innocent means. Even if they were, I don't know that you would necessarily report punching some guy in the stomach. You're going to confess to beating the shit out of some guy. If it's in self defense, why wouldn't they? What was self defense about it? Weird guy came up to me, tried to attack me in my truck. <laughs> Do you hear the crowd? They agree with me, Ben. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> no. That's the sound and laughter of support. And I hear it. <laughs> you see that? There's heart emojis in the chat box. I win. No. Yes, it's true. Anyway, so I think what happened is he got his ass beat by some trucker. Okay. Allow me to pontificate. <laughs> <laughs> he then has a ruptured bowel, ruptured stomach, whatever, ruptured spleen, whatever the case may be, to the point that, as they speculated in the autopsy, that he had septic shock. He's already in a poor mental state. He now is becoming septic, having shock symptoms. I think he's confused. He doesn't know where he's at. And so he sees a construction site and wanders to that, thinking maybe he'll see people that he knows, or his father, or something like their stepfather, someone like that. So that, that's a good point to bring up, though. So maybe we should talk about that for a second. So some of the symptoms that you're looking for an initial response to sepsis, you know, you're talking about fever, uh, sometimes lethargy, confusion, uh, shortness of breath. There's a lot of things that can go into sepsis and the initial uh, presentation that you're right. Like some of that stuff could be exacerbated or be created by 
the mere infection itself. So then I think he's in this parking lot. He's digging through his bag, looking for who knows what, because clearly nothing was taken. So I think that eliminates robbery, prostitution, things of that nature. And it's also 96, cell phones aren't a thing, right? So, well, they are a thing, but for like Zach Morris, like there's only like yeah. 100 people that have them at this point. Like nobody really has cell phones at this point. I think he starts spiking a fever. And I think his stomach is hurting because it's ruptured. And when your stomach's hurting, do you want to wear pants, Tom? Do you want something constricting across your, your abdomen region? Ben, at all. You don't wear pants anyway. At all points, I want to wear pants if there's people around. It just, it's, there's nothing good that's going to happen with me with no pants on. I think in his confusion, I think that he started to peel his pants down <laughs> and then was trying to like step out of them and they got. So, okay, so going back to, so, and we did an episode on hyperthermia. So you're thinking it's like a paradoxical hyperthermia. Yeah, I think he felt so hot from the fever that he was trying to strip, strip down. Okay. And so then he used the shoe as a pillow. Nap time. Well, what else can you do? I mean, at that point, you pretty much shit out of luck. Fair enough. But I, I guess my problem with, well, the paradoxical actually makes the most sense. Out of like the symptoms, I'm like, okay, I could see this, this, and this. What I still don't understand is that if he's in this much pain, I understand the mental, you know, aspect. But what I'm saying is, he's in a lot of pain. He understands that he's injured. At no point is there any attempt to receive or alert authorities or get medical attention. None, zero. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Okay. But he's already talked to people that day. So he knows there are other places that are available with people present. You're walking to a construction site, which he is familiar with. He's got the background. You know, the father owns a construction site. He's been a foreman at construction sites. He's confused. So I, I get what you're saying. Oh, I, that's a familiar spot. However, there's no one there. So why wouldn't you go to where people are if you're hurt and you want medical help? I don't know that he knew that. I mean, obviously at this point we're just speculating. I mean, we've obviously, I mean, for a while, but I mean, <laughs> for like you, 37 minutes. So uh, I think just in his confusion and not being in the right mental state, he just, it didn't click to him that he needed to do that. And again, that's how probably the story is going to end with us not knowing. Well, I, I would agree. I mean, it's been 96, yeah. which is a really long time. God, you went 96. That's like it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. When you say 1996, like that was just a few years ago. It, it wasn't. You're at graduated high school. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I, I was I was damn near graduating high school. You're much older than me, clearly. But what I just it's so hard for me to fathom this chain of events that the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the Knoxville County Sheriff's Office, and since across international borders, I'm sure the FBI and Border Patrol are now involved, and nobody can give us any information that might make this picture clearer leading up to this, this death. Yeah. I mean, that, that's why I think it's cool. a small, uh, I think it was a small random event that occurred. But that's, that's also what I think the mystery just makes it that much more involved is 
not knowing drives the human response. We want to try and figure it out. And that's what we're doing it on today. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what else to say. Um, Usually at home, we're, we're BSing by this point. I'm watching a football game, so I don't know what else to say right now. I, I did like the, what the we'll wrap up with uh, a quote from Knox County Sheriff at the time that this article was written, which was 17. They were kind of going back and looking through stuff. He said, if I could have one wish somewhere in a damn mayonnaise jar, I could find a note that tells me what happened, just so I know. Mayonnaise jar? Apparently it's a Tennessee thing, I don't know. <clears throat> People from Tennessee. <laughs> Is finding things in a mayonnaise jar the things, way things are done in Tennessee for law enforcement? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, the sheriff, the highest law enforcement official in that county, who's elected, mind you, said, quote, I hope we find an, I wish we would find if a note in a mayonnaise jar someday to solve this crime. I'm just wondering from the crowd. No, so we got to know. So, no, that is not how you're supposed to do things. Now, if you were a Bama fan, I would absolutely su suggest that's how you solve crimes. But the rest of the world... We tend to like things like facts and evidence when we do stuff. Not poorly timed kickers. <laughs> Goodness. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us. It was uh, interesting being live. And I don't know that I liked it. <laughs> it, is, it is I don't. I don't like that. See, first of all, I don't want to see my face. Period. I don't want to see it blown up on an overhead screen. Not at all. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you from the back of the crowd. There you go. That's what. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yay. Swearing just to pass the time. Lately, I see why I am alone. I caught some road rage and I thought of you. And all the many times you say I should have known.